Welcome to the Woke Type Podcast. In this episode, we are talking with two good friends of mine, Amit and Brian, and I loved having them on. Um, now listening to the whole thing while editing the podcast, I found the conversation really beautiful and, and profound. We talk about all sorts of things. We talk about music festivals, Amit's stay at Burning Man, realization, awakening, enlightenment. Yeah, it's it was great. See you around. What we can start with is, um, you know, presenting yourselves and, and maybe focus, you know, go back to to the times that you can recall of being a, a seeker and sort of give the, those who are listening a short perspective of how it went. You can start, Amit, if you want to. Sure, yeah. Um, I grew up as a very rational, you know, engineering mindset type guy. Did not believe in anything beyond what one experiences, right? So therefore, it was a physical universe, scientific, blah, 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 right? Mechanical. Um, and so that was the way I grew up. And I was focused on moving to the U.S. and doing this tech thing and all that, you know, the dream, so to speak. So my dream, personal dream, everybody's dream is personal. So, you know, did that and along the way realized that none of those things really matter. So everything went sideways for a number of uh, years where I was like quite shocked and depressed at how things turned out in, in the sense that, you know, you get what you want because you are seeking it. And of course, what you want isn't what you want the minute you have it, right? And so, mm. you know, what is it that gives you? And then time ticks on, right? Like you're 30 or whatever, 40, and then like you're Really, there, you know, something will happen in the future. We all keep we're living for some unknown future. And I was just sort of uh, in this dark phase when I happened to, you know, run into this conversation. Not this conversation, actually. I ran into, a, into an experience I had, which, um, you know, this was a personal experience. I think not, not mystical in any way. I was really just going through a kind of a painful experience in life, which made me question just everything, right? Like my, my mental model about life. And down to the point of, I just began to entertain this thought of like, you know, how much of what I believe in is real because you live your life based on that. And if I had to relive my life, I would do it again because it was like, I didn't do anything that was uh, not logical or rational. How would I make any other choice at any given point in time? So I was like really stuck in that, holy cow, like this is like a, there's a no way out type situation, right? And mm -hmm. so I began to question everything and uh, including this conversation of whether one is awake or dreaming, you know, in this sort of uh, philosophical way you are, you know, sometimes at dinner and stuff. And that question to me would just take hold one, one fine day. And I was just like, how do you know? You know, and so I began to read a lot about what is perceived and reality and all that stuff. I, began, I didn't know what to search for right in the beginning. But then I finally discovered a lot of, of what we know now and discovered even Buddhism. And I discovered, I read a lot. I was like, really kind of, I had to find out. Because like, once you realize <laughs> that this could be a dream, it's like, what is the point? I mean, it's just like, you know, it could not go yeah. back to normal. So that became like a intense um, wanting to know type thing, you know, it was a, I mean, it wasn't like some, I didn't know what to, what would happen, right? Like it wasn't like some, uh, I didn't know about all this Vedantic stuff and all that. Mm -hmm. It was a very rational uh, pursuit, very logical and very much intellectual in the sense that, you know, you have to know first intellectually, clearly, only then can the mind vanish. Mm -hmm. So, that was the process, but I didn't know it. And that's so why I was going through it. And then and then everything else happened after that. I met my guru and all that stuff happened. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. Do you want to go, Brian, with your callback to 
to the times of being a, a seeker? Sure. Um, it's, it's funny. This is the first time I've heard a myth story, so it's really cool to hear your story Definitely. and, and uh, to get a, a better understanding of the context through which you usually speak in regards to, you know, what you say, it being a dream and that sort of thing. Um, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't very logical at all. <laughs> it was the direct opposite. Um, uh, I guess the, the seeking really kicked in the high gear. Because uh, I've, I've always been sort of um, adventurous, you know, looking for my own kind of brand of life or purpose or what have you. So that, that was always a streak. But mm -hmm. it really kicked into gear when uh, I went to a music festival and uh, took Molly for the first time. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. The story is, you know, I was skipping through the field. Um, it was a, a night festival, dance festival. And uh, I was skipping through the field, and there were fireworks and lasers, and I could feel the bass. And everywhere I looked, there was people smiling and hugging and just so much happiness. And I left that wondering how I could maintain that same sense of joy and freedom and happiness without drugs. Or at least without exactly. having to, you know, drop Molly every few days. It's not uh, very convenient. It isn't. It's expensive, at, at least, at the very least. Yeah. Um, so that question went from, okay, well, I can't abuse substances. How am I going to do this in a, a consistent, uh, grounded kind of way? It led to the power of now, the Eckhart Tolle. So I'm really just like a generic seeker. I, I, you know, read his book and did the whole meditation thing and then listened to all the, you know, the collection of people who talk about this stuff. Ram yeah. Dass, Alan Watts, Eckhart Tolle, of course, Muji, Adishanti, all the, you know, all the, the people. Yeah. And, but I patterned or uh, peppered all of that with still a, um, a less mental approach to the whole thing in the sense of, I wanted to break the the mental structure. I wanted to find out what was on the other end. I wanted to find out if it was possible to instigate ego death. And mm -hmm. so I, I went back to drugs uh, as a, a method, possible method, um, particularly psychedelics. It was acid. And this was maybe six months after the first, four or five, six months after the first uh, kind of drug-induced breakthrough of, oh, my God, I can be happy and I don't have to worry about my life. Um, so about six months afterwards, I dropped acid at EDC, which is uh, the largest dance music festival in the world, they, they branded as. Hmm. And it was mind-blowing. There was a sense of uh, collapse of identity. There was a sense of the models, the structures of the world, everything that I had assumed to be true, collapsing. It was a peak experience, and it kept... Uh, growing in intensity as far as a peak experience um, because it's not only the psychedelic component of it, which normally, you know, you, you drop this acid, you know, with friends and that sort of thing. It's, you know, certain settings is what they say. So normally it's in a, a calm environment. I did it in the middle of a music festival with thousands of people, also in some kind of substance, for, you know, the entire night you're on this thing. So it was, it was an amazing journey that, you know, had several peaks and so on. But I came out of that with this determination that, okay, I'm going to throw everything away and trust the universe. And whatever happens out of that, I'm just going to go with it and trust that's somehow part of the process of waking up and dissolving the ego and enlightenment or whatever this all leads to. And so after I got back from EDC, I was living in L.A. at the time, I did throw everything away, packed what I could in a backpack and ended up uh, kind of bouncing between friends, family, the street for a few years, um, bouncing back and forth. And really, it's, it's, it's been that way, in a sense, uh, not necessarily bouncing, but it's been the, the kind of openness, the, the kind of freedom, the kind of sense of adventure uh, and perpetual curiosity and wonder and awe uh, and increasing bliss that's all available outside of a psychedelic experience. Um, mm -hmm. There are moments where, you know, I still smoke weed, so there are moments where... I can't tell if I'm high because of the weed or I'm high just because I'm existing. 
So mm. the lines have blurred so much uh, to the point where it is almost like a dream, as you know, Mitt would, would point to, or imagination, or you know, the tethers of reality aren't as fixed as they used to be. I'll, I'll say it that way. So I don't know if I, I've stopped being a seeker. What I can say is that the seeking energy doesn't seem to be as prominent nor as important or relevant or tangible or apparent. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. I actually uh, see myself in, in what you have been telling us because for me, this mainly started with um, an LSD trip in which I felt immense peace. And, and I had the sense that that piece was not exactly an hallucination, something that was produced. It simply, the mechanic was that the drug somehow um, managed to break the mind in a way that, that the piece became evident. And that clearly was the, was the um, breaking point for me and, and what made me interested. So I, I subscribe to to your story in a way, and it it was also in a in a festival. <laughs> I do believe that there is um, is the word archaic. There's an archaic element to festivals, even though mm. you know it's we have technology, and you know it, it looks fancy, but there is still something very primal and earthy to exactly. the festival experience that opens up the very the tribal, psychedelic right? avenues. Which aren't necessarily, um, you know, drug-induced psychedelic avenues because you can, you know, go into a trance and meditation and experience the same kind of psychedelia in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but festivals, man, they're they're a beautiful escape from the ordinary to break open the tethers of, of reality in a sense. It's beautiful yeah. to have that, that same kind of entry way. Have you had any experience with festivals, Ahmed? I've had a four-day acid trip in Burning Man. Four Burning days. Man. Yeah, in Nevada uh, deserts in Black Rock, Nevada. My brother, uh, through the darkest of my times, he dragged me there for a week-long camping trip, which I never camp. I never camp ever. <laughs> okay, and I've dr- driven here. Okay, it was I wrote about this. It was a quite a crazy story, but um, yeah. So I, I I vibe with what you're saying, Brian, in the sense that. Uh, in the middle of this uh, 75,000 people in the middle of the desert, you know, for like seven days, I was there. There was a burning man and the whole thing. And we were tripping for the first four days. Wow. And it was like a whole nother uh, thing. And quite honestly, I think, uh, you know, the problem is experiences that you, you, you wanted, you know. The problem is experience. If you get stuck on experience, then it is in the conscious state. You can only have an experience when you're conscious. And in the conscious state, you can only have an experience because of duality. Otherwise, there is nobody to have that experience, nor is there something apart from oneself to say or to experience anything. So mm-hmm. there the sticking point is, you know, if one gets stuck in the experience of so-called freedom, that's another idea only. Otherwise, you can't experience freedom. It's free. It's so free, you cannot experience it. Wow. That that's mind blowing, yeah. In other words, you have to have a reflection there, you know, as yourself. Otherwise, where is that self that will have an experience? Hmm. To take that point, uh, there's a question that I wanted to ask, and to take your point about the experience, because you know this is has been talked about for, what, 5,000 years? So my question is, how would you describe the hallmarks of realization in actual experience? Well, it cannot be described as the first thing, right? Because any description right. is going to use limitation. And therefore, in limitation, you cannot describe the limitless. Right? Number mm. one. So it's an abstraction layer which cannot be crossed. It's a wheel which cannot be crossed from the consciousness to the awareness stage. It cannot state, it cannot be, it's not a state, it's awareness. And so consciousness is the state. So to go from a state to a non-state, it cannot be done. Mm-hmm. No, the source is the non-state and the state has arisen. So we are in the wrong frame of mind, you see. We're in the duality now. We're in the consciousness, waking state, dreaming state or whatever it is. 
that's the reason why one can have a conversation with someone, apparently so, even though there is no one. And one can experience hunger in a dream, for example, even though the body is actually not that one. Yeah. Yeah. So to your, everyone's point here, the experience is not coming from outside. It is coming from inside. Once you realize the experience is coming from inside, how much importance can you give experience? It is one's own foolishness. So you immediately go past experience to discover that the one that is witnessing this experience or no experience or any experience or even the lack of experience is very much there. Yes. So what is that experience of no experience is like sleeping, you know, in sleeping, you have only peaceful, restful, you know, recognition of that only in this conscious state. Mm -hmm. Because there is no experience happening there. There is no body. There is no world. There is no mind, right? Mind is at rest, they say. Hence, one experiences rest. What you recognize as rest upon waking up and saying, oh, I had restful sleep. Nobody in the waking state is actually sleeping now to experience it, unless one drops the experience, which you call experience, which is the mango, I ate it and it's very sweet. And it's real because of my sensory experience. Yeah. So there you go. Experience is just the senses. So the senses do not operate in that sense. You know, pardon the pun. And mm-hmm. that sixth sense is the mind. The mind is the one that interprets the eyesight, the line of the, the, the image that is, I mean, the light that's coming in. It has no meaning, you know. But the mind is this, you know, creating those objects, so to speak, that you're cognizing. Mm-hmm. That's the sixth sense, which actually cognizes all the other senses and so called creates meaning or conscious. You become conscious of something like a sensory experience. In other words, you become conscious of the senses, right? The sense of taste and the sense of sight and the sense of smell, which all mm-hmm. intermingle in the mind and create your reality. So then what this is, is what you call realization? You can't say, you, there is no hallmark. You, there, it is, you cannot tell. The whole universe is realized. Okay, thank you. My God. No, no, no. The, the thing is, you have to understand Thank this. You for the tour. No, no, no. Nobody can recognize the uh, uh, thing because the question is foolish question. Who will recognize, you see? It cannot be recognized. So it is a, a silly question to ask. The point is, well, it is not for somebody else. The question wasn't, uh, what are the, what's the hallmark of recognition? The question is, what is the hallmark of realization? Yes? Yeah. What are the hallmarks the of realization versus realization. hallmarks of recognition? Recognition is, I feel, a different term. It would point to something different. Realization, however, is something that is, like you said, the experience comes from within. So the realization, I would assume, would also come from within, correct? Yes. Okay. So then what's the what is the difference, however? See, the recognition, if done by the mind, is the foolish yeah, we're not idea talking of about recognition. recognition, though. We're talking about realization. So what's the, what's the hallmark of realization within the context of it coming from within? Oh, so now if the hallmark of your own realization, you mean to say? Because that's the only thing cognizable or knowable, so to speak. In other words, you cannot, nobody can recognize somebody else's so-called recognized. I mean, realize, right? Unless they themselves are directly experiencing the reality and they know already what there is to know in that moment. And if it's relevant to say that this other person has realized, he's a sage, that words will flow there. But in experience and in the hallmark of experience, the experience vanishes. There is no experience, like in sleep. Because there are no two things. So experience comes to an end which is what the Buddha meant when he said suffering ends. Because any experience is fleeting, and it creates craving again. If you want it again, oh, that experience is nice, this experience is nice, that is not nice. This is freedom, that is not freedom. Experience has nothing to do with freedom. Freedom is in despite of experience. Isn't it? Otherwise, how will it be free? Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Do you want to, to go further on that, uh, Brian, or should I pass the mic to you so you you answer the, you know, go further on the, the question of the hallmarks of realization? 
Home globalization. Mm. Clarity. And so what that does is that it, it puts realization into a place that isn't special, that isn't restricted to any religion or creed or dogma or philosophy or belief system. It's simply being clear about whatever the experience is. And if that's the extent of there being no experience whatsoever, no person being there to experience, no experience or blah, 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 blah within the mm -hmm. context of this description, then that would be clarity. And that's amidst clarity. Um, so then I could say within that that amid is realized. But at the same time, if someone were to say to me, uh, my knee hurts, well, there's clarity in the awareness of the pain. So that person is also realized. And that follows up, connects with what Amit was saying, that the entire universe, whatever we want to call this reality, is itself already realized. So there really isn't an individual distinction as far as realization that's apart from the individual having the experience from within. To, to go on, uh, it's kind of the same talk, but it's, uh, it's sort of a question that I always found useless, which is the difference between enlightenment and awakening. But from seeing it again and again coming up through other people, um, I, I always come, come back to the, the actual, the experience portion. So everywhere, have you guys ever read um, a time in your, in your path, in your process that you, that you actually made a distinction between the two? Between the enlightenment and awakening? Yeah. Enlightenment and awakening, yes. I can go. So, I mean, <laughs> the answer to that question, uh, I don't, frankly, you know, the answer, of course, is oh, they're all just words and have no meaning at all. Exactly, yeah. Right? So, so that's the first thing, right? The second is, I personally, but in that my journey, since you asked that question in a context of my journey, there was a time when I had to sit down and really clarify for myself what I mean by real. I keep saying this is not real, that is not real, dream is not real. This. What, what does that mean? What is meant by real? Mm -hmm. Just in, you know, in a casual sense, because everybody has a casual definition of reality. But what exactly do you mean by reality? I had a memory right now when you spoke of uh, inquiring of what's real. When I was training to do lucid dreaming, there was an exercise where you were supposed to ask yourself to look at your end and ask yourself if you were dreaming. And I, I couldn't have said for sure if this was real. Is that what you mean by real? No. So after you realize that part, then the question is, why do I say this is not real? Mm. Right. What is it that makes me say this is not real? What is it? That means I'm going to uh, awaken into something else that's real. And how will I know that that something else is real? Because there is a quality to reality that I should be aware of. Otherwise, how will I know that something is real or not real? Mm -hmm. What are the qualities of reality? This became the question I asked myself, because otherwise, even if reality came and danced naked in front of me, I wouldn't know it. Exactly. Right? Like if God came and stood in front of me, if I didn't know how to tell a normal person from God, because they all look the same, how will I know it? So without this point, it became very confusing. So I defined for myself simply, and anybody can do this by examining it. What do you mean by reality? It means it cannot change, because this reality that I'm experiencing is not the real one it will suddenly change into the real one. And why will mm -hmm. I, that one not be the, uh, you know, another one that changes? Because that reality is unchanging reality. It will not mm -hmm. change. So therefore, it is that reality, the unchanging reality, that could never have started. Because if it started, it has changed from something it was not to something it is. Therefore, it is not startable or endable. And therefore, it is eternal. That word became very clear. And the timeless factor, it was become very evident because it doesn't operate in time now. It is timeless. Mm -hmm. Right? And then it's also for everywhere, everybody. Therefore, it is beyond space. And for everybody means it is self-evident. If anybody runs into it, they will know it. So would you consider that a kind of... Would you consider that the first awakening, as in the awakening that 
the reality that you gave so much credit before crumbles down very, very easily. Yeah, everything else has eliminated. Yeah. Right, the universe is eliminated. Time and yeah. space is eliminated. The negator can never be negated, no? Can I say I'm not there? Foolish question. I mean, statement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dumb, no? Simply to say, who am I speaking to? And joyfully <laughs> saying, I'm not there, I'm not there. You know? Mm -hmm. So that's all foolish nonsense. You have to simply be enjoy. What is the point in discussing it? Yeah. Yeah. There's really no point when you put it like that. And yet discussion happens. So, you know, yeah. when in our process of in a process of negating, we have to look at what's in front of our face. I mean, yes, of course, it's an illusion, it's imagination, et cetera. And it's there's, you know, words don't have meaning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can take all the, the juice out of it, but that doesn't really dismiss that it's you're looking at it, that it's right there in front of you. So we have to look at it directly where it's at, uh, not as a concept. So within that context. I would say that the distinction between awakening and enlightenment, and I'm going to borrow one of the terms that Amit uh, used, timelessness or timeless eternity. The distinction I would say between awakening and enlightenment, awakening itself implies that there's still time, there's still a process, there's still a journey, mm. there's still someone going from one place to another. Enlightenment itself is the dropping away of that journey or seeing through that journey, seeing through anything really, seeing through the solidity of it. So rather than going through the process of, which is possibly related to inquiry, neti neti. So rather than going through the process of reducing, 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 or subtracting, 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 you simply look at it the way that it is. You look, you look at it with your awareness and you see through it as a thing that's separate from anything else that you see. Uh, for instance, I'm looking at a bottle that I have in front of me now, but I'm looking at it as a bottle because I'm able to distinguish it with the term bottle. Otherwise, it's simply what's in front of me. It doesn't have a label. It doesn't inherently exactly. come with any properties to it. So, and this is, again, a very practical, very down-to-earth, very here in front of your face. Simply look at what's in front of you without assigning some label to it that's out of your reach. Exactly. Beautifully said, yeah. And I, I want to add that when you have mentioned the word timeless or, uh, or eternity, uh, It's crazy because, um, you know, a seeker, someone that feels very, you know, feels very much so that he has a body or is somehow inside a body, uh, the concept of timelessness or eternity, it's going to be understood by the mind as a, as a concept, right? It's, it's inconceivable. To, to put boundlessness into something that is bound by nature. We said earlier as well that you cannot define it or describe it with limitation. Because, in fact, what Brian said before, if I can pick up on that, you know, when you see the bottle in front of you, but you're not seeing the seer there. You're seeing through the eyes of the seer and looking at the bottle. Mm -hmm. But if you see who is seeing it, what remains? You're not seeing what is in front of you. You're seeing something through what is in front of you and seeing the bottle. Otherwise, there cannot be a bottle because there isn't one. Even though you called it juice being taken out, I say the juice is actually in the actuality, not in the wave that is not actually there. The ocean has the full depth. And if you see the ocean itself, it has no movement at all. It is still. The waves appear to the person who is looking and experiences a little bit of, you know, so-called movement as waves. But the ocean is the ocean and never changes. So to look clearly, look at what is in front of you. Yeah. Don't dismiss it as illusion. If you dismiss it as illusion and say, but, then, you know. There we go. That's good. I like that. I like it a lot. Because the, the hook, the hook within non-duality and, and I guess we'll just keep with non-duality. The hook is that, oh, well, there, there's, it's all an illusion. It's all fake. It's not real. So I don't have to, there's no investment. There's no attachment. Uh, do I want to use the word attachment? Yeah, we can use that. There's no investment. There's no <laughs> attachment. There's no um, attention on it, right? Because if, if I'm thinking that all of this is an illusion, 
and I can kind of go through the whole thing without really acknowledging that there's any participation in the relationship, any kind of interaction, any kind of response ability, which is to say intuition or feeling. All of that stuff exists. So even though on the surface, you know, the, there's the ocean down at the bottom and there's the surface of the waves, which is the distinction, there's still some, some essence in the, the depth of the ocean itself, which mm. I would say, you know, doesn't have a ground to its depth. There's still some sense of being within the flow. I mean, you know, taking uh, Finding Nemo as an example and the, the turtles riding the, the East Atlantic current, that current is actually happening beneath the waves, beneath the, the surface of the, the ocean, beneath the surface of the sea. And they're riding it, they're involved with it, resting in it, but still there's that momentum of energy that's in flux. So desperately one is seeking meaning, you know, sorry to say. Desperately one is seeking meaning, sorry. Otherwise, there is absolutely no need whatsoever to seek any kind of meaning or direction because you rightly already pointed out it's internal. Already everything is full. Seeking meaning is, of course, yes, seeking meaning. We're, we're, we're pushing it to the side. Or perceiving meaning. Or uh-huh. perceiving it. it. Or perceiving it in somebody else or something well, else or what you know, the turtles or whatever. What can curate meaning? Sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish. The, what, is, what does an artist do aside from perceive and curate meaning? They're not seeking after. They're not looking, what does this rock mean? They're simply giving an interpretation of what it means for them. That, I would say, is applying meaning. It's not seeking. It's not, well, perceiving is, is, is different because, you know, you could seek or you could apply with the perception thing. Perception is completely different. I like what you said about expression. Yes, I agree with that because it's simply an expression. Yeah. So, without any meaning of meaning, can we put like meaning as an apparent consequence of? I, I as a musician, uh, I can say that if there is any meaning, it's it's beauty, in the sense that um, it's it's sort of a, a characteristic of of awareness in which the beauty that arises, a manifestation that arises. Of, of notes from nowhere takes one back to the place from where it arose. Is that, is that, can we say that is meaning? Yes, because that is not a meaning of this or that or whatever. It is the actual thing. Mm. And it does not require meaning. You discover it as meaning because you're coming from the lack of meaning, which is the conceptual universe as the body and the eye and the one who's is defining meaning and the lack of meaning. This this very thing is not there. But the source of those two things, which are both not there, the source of the illusion is very much there. That yeah. itself is not an illusion and has no meaning there. That word meaning is not meaning, meaning like we describe it, like, oh, is there meaning? All that is foolish. Yeah, of to the course. point of the individual. Mm-hmm. Right? It's only the individual who can ask that, an interpreter who can ask that based on their past experiences and the idea of the self. Mm. Right? Otherwise, the complete thing has no meaning. Yes, meaning. It is the full thing. Where is the question of meaning there? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very clear to me. Um, can we go on another topic, or Brian, do you want to uh, comment on that? We can move forward. I don't have anything to add. Okay. So... Um, the understanding of, of the world uh, and others is very much a reflection of, of the understanding of what you are. Like taking that example of, of Brian, of the bottle, uh, you could, could as well see a bottle as something physical out there or have the full experience of the bottle without adi- adding anything to it. So um, the same as in a dream, like if, if there is a a great uh, catastrophe happening. There's a there's a sense of you know pain and suffering for all the beings that are suffering and dying. And um, in this sense, I would like to talk about compassion because it is uh, for me personally, it has been hard because I I lost almost all the sense of what I thought that compassion was. And and my question is. When you, as the communicator of this message, 
knows that there's no one else in the room, what's left to offer? What, where's the empathy? Where's the sense of, you know, helping? It's, it's like a sneeze, really. Um, it's, it's that natural. If there's, if there's some impulse, some urge to communicate, it doesn't even have to be about awakening, just, just about life in general. If there is, you know, if you feel like you want to say something, say it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really, it's that simple. There's everything But, else, right? Yeah, like everything else. But I, I feel like with this specifically, because there is such a hang up on the concept of there being no others, that there has to be sort of a pigeonhole in communicating, whereas, oh, well, that's your ego talking, or is that really mm. the truth speaking, or, or that's sort of that kind of back and forth. Mm. And to me, it seems as though there's a threshold that you cross where you stop taking the whole thing so serious, where that becomes irrelevant. It doesn't really mm. matter if there's someone else in the room or if it's just one person speaking or if there's no speaking happening at all. It appears to be here, so I might as well put my attention on it and actually be where it's at instead of trying to be in my head, my, you know, in conceptual land, thinking, oh, well, there's nobody really here, so I have to speak from a place of non-ego perception yeah. or awareness or what have you. That's all you know, mental games and whatnot that really takes you out of the moment, takes you out of the timeless and sticks you right into time, which ends up being suffering. So compassion in that same sense comes out of that, that same grounded here-ness. If there's something that calls for the need for you to respond to it, you respond to it naturally, like a sneeze. Mm. And if someone happens to get sick when you sneeze, great. If they don't, great. It just, you know, you keep on moving with life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to comment on, on that one, Ahmed? Yeah, I agree quite. Uh, agree. Um, whatever naturally arises, in the moment because of need and you're in a position to fulfill it. It just happens because the idea is I'll go and help somebody and I will go try to find out what they need and I will find a way to do it. That's all today's idea of, you know, like helping and all that. But as I'm walking on the exactly. street and there is a hungry person, I have something in my pocket. I don't have any other money or anything. You give it there. But, but it is, at least speaking for me, it is quite a shock because Uh, I had all these ideas about uh, spirituality and, and the common good somehow that was inherent to it. And in a, in a snap, it was, it was kind of gone, you know, because it was just a concept, something that made up uh, a character sure. and, and, and that tried to attend other characters and make them feel good, make them feel validated, et cetera, et cetera. It's quite a shock. It's yeah. a shock also to, in behavior, to go against whatever your, your beliefs are, your ideals are. So if you, you're in a position where you have to be a good friend, as an example, and the idea is, oh, I got to be a good friend, but you really, you're just not in the mood to talk, or you're not in the mood to listen, or you're not in the mood to be the, the sounding board, There's this struggle of, well, do I hold up to the ideal of being a good friend and put my, myself in a position that's suffering, where I'm, I'm really not there with the person thinking, oh my God, I need to get away? Or mm. do I simply cut the thing short and be honest and say, look, listen, I'm not in a position to be a, li a listening ear right now. I've yeah. found that when you're completely honest and just simply in the moment and responding from within to, to kind of trail the conversation, when you're responding from within, it fits within the natural order of things. There's a harmony that happens where it, you don't have to really have any concerns. There's no worry. Mm. Literally, there's nothing to worry about because it's all just kind of flung by itself. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you, Ahmed. No, no, all good. I don't have much to add. It's all no more concepts, right? So once you're, see, the experience changes. That's the thing. There is a time when, you know, one experiences one's own ignorance, right? And the suffering is there. If the suffering is not there, why will you constantly go and look for it? Hmm. Right? That's number one. Number two is... Yeah, why go to war, right? No, with whom, right? Like this whole thing is like, uh, you have to realize that experience is being created from within. There is no external anywhere which means that there is nobody there. It means I am the only one. It means there is no internal or external, you know? Mm -hmm. So in that mm -hmm. situation, the world and all doesn't exist. 
what exists is your idea of the world. Just mm-hmm. like in a dream state where there is no world, and yet you have the whole world in your mind. You have not visited the planet, you know. You haven't gone and seen if there's a round ball on which you're standing. But yet you know the conceptualization of the world is there. If you fly to uh, Paris, you will see Paris there. Yeah. The world exists in your mind. Just like the color green, what you see and what I see, they are different. Yet we agree because we have created in this dream common consciousness or consciousness is always common. Right? Mm-hmm. How would you distinguish, I'm sorry to, to kind of trail this off in a different direction, but sure. I know this is earlier, that there's distinction in your language between consciousness and awareness, and it seems as though you're putting awareness as the context of consciousness, whereas I see it the other way around, where consciousness is before awareness, and awareness is actually an aspect of consciousness. So, so let's make our words clarified so we can talk, you know, in these uh, conventional terms that is called language, right? So just to clarify, awareness is the light, consciousness is the content. In other words, you can only be conscious of something. You cannot be conscious of absolutely nothing because if there's absolutely nothing to be conscious of, the conscious entity and the thing to be conscious of don't exist. In which case, the only thing that exists is the light of knowing that even that is the situation where there is no consciousness. For example, I was conscious, I gained consciousness, I lost consciousness, I was unconscious, but now I'm conscious. You know, what I mean by that is, Consciousness came and went, yet I, which I call awareness, or you can don't have to call it anything, is the very, you know, space of the spaces and the light of lights. So it seems like it is a, a semantic thing because I, I can track everything that you're saying, but I would just flip around consciousness for awareness. <laughs> Again, consciousness is always of something because you're saying I'm conscious. Yeah, I could say something about awareness. I'm always aware of something. See, it's it's a semantic issue. No, no. So we are being, that is the very distinction we are drawing. Awareness, you don't have to be aware of anything. Even if you're not aware of anything, you're still aware. Awareness never changes. Awareness remains awareness. So you will stay as awareness, even if there is nothing to be conscious of. Like in the unconscious state. That's awareness from an individual perspective. I'm talking about consciousness as the universality. There is no individual anywhere. That is another object that is imagined in consciousness. The I, me, comes into being only in consciousness. There is actually no individuals anywhere at all. There is only consciousness in the conscious state. In the other states, there is no consciousness. And what that is termed as awareness, because it is aware, that's all, not of something. It's aware of itself. Awareness is aware of itself. And it is aware, that's all. It is not a something. Even if there is absolutely nothing, it knows. Not knows in the sense of, you know, again, concepts. But the very knowledge is there inside it, as it is. We are all that, no? Hmm. So, yeah, but I understand Brian's point because, you know... um... So I clarify the words because I'm not interested in word games. Yeah, so very course. simply, consciousness is what comes and goes. I am conscious, I am unconscious. Very clear, everybody says it. You don't need to redefine these terms, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, but you know, in, the, in the teaching... But how do you... I apologize, Roy. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. How do you... How do you <laughs> See, this is what you wanted, Roy. You wanted to, you, wanted to, you know, the, the flat box. Okay. Of course. So how do you admit... How do you uh, equalize that what you're saying awareness consciousness how do you equalize it between like for instance a human being and a lizard because both of them they share consciousness awareness what's what's the distinction between them <clears throat> they're just projections right like in a movie they're seeing the you know lizard is coming and eating the fly and all that and you know there's people running all of those things are a projection actually there is only the movie the tape the video whatever the file that's there and downloaded and playing now but those things that you see inside the dream, for example, they don't exist as individual things, right? The dream and the lizard dream and the and the dream lizard and the rocks and all those things, they're not actually there as independent yeah, things anywhere. I can look at a human being and see a human being, I can look in their eyes and see consciousness awareness, not sure yet. I can look at a lizard, look in their eyes and see consciousness awareness, not sure yet. If I look at a tree, I can't look in any eyes. I can't see any consciousness and awareness. Or awareness. Because look at a rock. Neither of these two things are objective. No, they're abstract. So awareness is abstract. It is not. That's why it's called spirituality, for example, right? The, as opposed to what? As opposed to materiality. Materiality means you can see it physically. It has matter, space, dimension. Time and space comes into being when you say matter. 
matter has physicality to it. Whereas spirituality does not. Not because it is not, it's not like you're in the same plane and there is nothing, you don't have anything, like I'm poor or something, you know. You're not in the same plane at all. All planes, you're, this, you're beyond the plane. The planes are just dimensions. Yes. Right? And so, so yeah. I would say that consciousness itself is what's beyond the planes, and then awareness is the, the fluff of the... Again, we already discussed this already. So if you want to keep arguing about the word, that's your choice. But that is just written down. You can say, okay, you can use a different word. But I'm not about to change the words I use. Those are just definitions, right? Like saying, what is the difference between... Uh, enlightenment and awakening and all this foolish stuff. Just definitions. We can all agree, not agree. Somebody will say this thing, that thing. Who gives a shit? But we still, we went through the conversation and we made a distinction between the two, did we not? I told that distinction and I'm making it again and again and again. Awareness is what gives awareness to anything. Without awareness, there cannot be anything. When there is something, you have to be conscious of it. That is why you're conscious or consciousness, you might call it, and all those words. But it's fleeting. Consciousness doesn't stay all the time. You're not always conscious. So something changing is not the ultimate. So it points to the states mainly, mainly as, as, as consciousness. The state of consciousness. Yes. You don't call it every time state of consciousness, state of consciousness. So you say consciousness. You forget that it's a state. So why, why do you think that it is used as a synonym in, uh, in some Indian traditions, for, for instance? And everything about everything is wrong. All words are wrong. We are simply after the direct liberation, you see? Hmm. So free that but, we are free of but, the words and but, free of the knowledge. But, but, obviously words are used towards that realization. Otherwise, we would have something like a Diamond Sutra or even the Gita. Only to get to a point of letting the words go. Because after you cross the raft, I mean the river, why you want the to carry the words are meaningful raft? until they're meaningless. Yes? You give them meaning, no? Once you define what it means, you don't the have to words go have meaning until they're meaningless. If I'm having a conversation with somebody, yeah. we're, we're coming from two different perspectives. I have to bring them to a, a place of resolution within my perspective. The right. only so you do that with them. I can't just throw out words and expect them to so, understand so what So you, you write it down and show them, this is what I mean. You have a lexicon. Why do I have to write it down? Why can't we have a, a dialogue like we're having now and reach a, a resolution? Because I've told you four times that the words the word mean, and yet you're insisting they mean something else. So I can show you with this lexicon, this is what I mean. If you want to talk to me, this is the language. Otherwise, you're going to constantly keep arguing about the word. And I don't want to have that boring conversation. I'm interested in rejoicing in the actual, which is what I'm doing now. You're welcome to join me. If you don't want it, you can definitely continue talking about it on Slack, which is what it's for. Simply keep talking about it. Because it's not an intellectual thing. It's not about the words. Vedant means end of the Veda. All the words are meaningful. Only to let go of all meaning, because there's no meaning anywhere. But there is experience of that blissful, stateless, myselfness, which is there in sleep, which you're not aware of during the dreaming. You think you're awake during the dreaming, whereas I know I'm asleep. And that experience is all there is. So I guess this is the distinction between the, the perspectives, is that one perspective is saying, if I have somebody who's looking, there's a seeker in front of me, and we're looking to resolve that seeking energy. The one way that we can resolve that seeking energy is to bring that energy into the fold of bliss. And the one way to do that is through using words until they don't have meaning anymore, which is, we're saying the same thing in this. But you're, you're hooked up on this idea that I'm attacking you for some reason over... No, 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 uh, no, no, no. I'm, not, you're not, I'm not saying attacking. I'm saying we have oh, defined okay. it clearly one. We don't have to keep arguing about it in a different way because either I adopt yours or you adopt mine. That's all. That's all, that's all it is. I'm not arguing. I'm saying I'm not interested in adopting other, anybody else. That's all. Not arguing with anybody. All interested in fighting. You know, nobody no asks you to adopt somebody else's word. If you rewind the conversation a little bit, just record it, you'll be able to. You'll see that I was asking if you are switching, like I do, switching the words consciousness and awareness. That I was said yes. I, I said exactly I, exactly I use it. I said exactly this is how I use it. So I don't know if it switched or not. It's how I use these words. Exactly. I defined it for you now five times. And yet you have this conversation. See, ultimately, it's only for oneself, the meaning. You define the meaning for a word for yourself only. You don't know what somebody else thinks. So you define it for yourself and then carry on with the meaning. You don't get attached to the words. If, if, we're, if we're looking to get to Paris, and the entire time I'm talking about Paris, I'm thinking about Mexico. And the entire time we're talking about Paris, you're thinking about the actual Paris. What's going to happen to the, the trip? Either one person understands the other person's language and they agree to go with that one, or the other person agrees with this person's language and they agree to go with this one. If they both insist, 
that no, 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 I will not change my viewpoint. I will just keep on going like this only. And there is no point. However, if one person wants to communicate to the other person, they have to understand what they're saying. If you go to Mexico, you have to understand Spanish. So you have to go and, you know, context is important. The speaker gives meaning to the words that he speaks. Now, if you come to me and say, no, 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 you didn't mean that. You meant this other thing. I can't argue with you. It seems to me that... These are all theoretical points we're coming up with and a waste of time. The point is very simple. Words have no meaning. We are after liberation. Are you liberated and experiencing joy or not? Yes or no? If yes, wonderful. I don't have anything further. If not... Words have meaning until they don't. To you, only to the self, the one who listens, not generally to the world and dictionary and all. There is no dictionary. It is only for oneself. Okay, so if there is a listener who's in this, this state of mind of seeking... What do you say to that listener to get this? I say, listen to me. If you are interested in my help, meaning. I'll tell you what I say. I say, if you want my help, let me just redefine one or two clear things so that you're not confused. And then don't go and argue with me about me because I'm defining it to you what I'm going to use as these words. After that, it's their choice. If they say, no, 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 your words are wrong, that is the what you're doing to me now, which is I'm not, that is enjoy yourself. But otherwise, those people who actually listen and say, okay, that's what you mean. They will lose all meaning immediately. Just one thing, if you're, you know, if I can throw it out there as an opinion, um, I wouldn't cut the silence. Uh, that we had just then. That was beautiful.